Hey, what's going on, SG Squared listener? Jason Banzoff here, producer for the Group Talk Network of Podcasts. We're going to be playing some former episodes to give you new content every single week. Some of these may be from the past couple of years, but they are still relevant today. You may hear something about COVID or some other things that may have gone at that time, so don't be worried. We did not go back in time. However, uh, these are going to be great episodes for you to listen to, so make sure you tune in to SG Squared every single week. Now on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to SG Squared. Steve Gladen, Global Small Groups Pastor at Saddleback Church, pulls from his 20-plus years of small group ministry experience to encourage and equip listeners to lead more effective small group ministry. Sit back, learn, and enjoy SG Squared with Steve Gladen. So Steve, there's a phrase at Saddleback that we use a lot for leadership development. I th- you get, now I'm going to look at you. What what phrase am I thinking about? <laughs> it's... It, uh... Um, you got a structure for control or growth would be my number one pick for leadership. Ding. That was it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Unpack that for me. Okay. Now we're, now we're just digging in. Okay. Uh, you know, it, so I would say in all seriousness, this is probably a, a, a leadership learning that has, has stuck with me uh, so much. When, you, when we just say the simple thing that uh, Rick talks about so often is you can structure for control or for growth. And um, so often we, we forget that and we, we tend to be churches that love control. We, we, we love control. And here, here's how I'd frame this up in two, uh, two simple things. is um, One of them, when you look at the New Testament and um, two-thirds of the New Testament is the, letter, the letters and the epistles. And the letters and the epistles were all written to churches that were started predominantly by Paul and they were started and a pastor, a pastor was put in place within six months. And uh, what we tend to forget is that, you know, these these were ordained of God. And part of what we we sometimes in the church world, we, we quickly move from these God-appointed ideas and dreams and steps that he wants us to take, and we snuff them out with control. And we forget that the New Testament was built on, you know, just turning people loose, letting the Holy Spirit do his job, which is to control the church, and us doing our job, which is to put people in almost harm's way to do the gospel. And um, so often there's so many times that throughout the scriptures, you'll see, you know, from the blind man, all he did is, once I was blind, but now I see, they're telling their testimony. But all the way through the churches, were there bumps, were there twists, was it messy? And we always say that group life is messy. But in this whole part, uh, when you look at the Bible and how it's built on a family system, and I look at my own family system, and that is, is that it's just, if you try to control and put too many latches down and don't let your kids grow, What's going to happen is rebellion is, is, is going to foster. And so often in our churches, we kill the creativity. We kill the dreaming. We kill the opportunities because we're not willing to put people out there and let them grow. Uh, and, and there's a lot of different things of why that happens. But, you know, one of the learnings that I, I would you want to start to think through, and this is going to play straight into when we get to the trending topic, is that in order for growth to happen, we have got to get comfortable with the messiness that we see modeled throughout the New Testament. And we got to see that in our own church too, because, 
you know, do sometimes things get off the rails? They do, but that's humanity. Humans get off the rails. And uh, and this is my favorite thing because people say, I oh, got to have training and you got to lock it down and do all that. And, you know, we, we have thousands of groups here at Saddleback. But when I look back at our disciplinary action, where we've had to go into a small group and we've had to remove them. It's been awful and shut the group down because it's gotten so Jerry Springer-ish. You know, it's just been, you know, crazy. When I look at, and that, that's not huge. And sometimes, you know, we don't start groups because, you know, we were so scared of that. That group's going off the rails and everything's going to go, you know, hell in the handbasket. Uh, but when I look at all of those groups, we've had to do disciplinary action there were a couple things they had in common. Every one of them. They were all followers of Christ. Hmm. And they were all members of Saddleback Church. And what I found is that that human sin creeps in no matter who you are or what you are. You can play that to the extreme, but, but just track with me. They had all the leader training they needed. They had all the, the what they needed because they accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. They had our membership all dialed in. They signed the covenants. They've gone through 101, 2-1, 3-1, But yet they were the biggest train wrecks because there were other things in their lives that weren't lined up. And so uh, you got to figure this out. Do you want a structure for control or do you want structure for growth? And that is our learning. So, Steve, coming into a new year, a trending topic we hear all the time in starting new groups is, hey, I don't have enough leaders. I just don't have enough leaders. What is something that you look for in a leader? Yeah, I mean, wow, well, you're going to get me going off on a tangent and all over the place. But we're going to try and make this succinct because this is a passion area of me because I firmly believe – Every church has all the leaders sitting in their congregation that they need. But the problem is, is that we we mess it up. We truly mess it up. And part of it starts with, what do you look for in a leader? What what do you look for in, 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 a, in a leader? Have What's the irrevocable thing you've got to have? And so often when I'm talking in churches, when I'm doing conferences, you know, I'll go around and I'll hear things like faithfulness is needed in a leader or passion's needed in a leader or integrity is needed in a leader or being a follower of Christ is needed in a leader. And all these things are going to come up and they're things I would agree with. But my point is, is when do you when do you turn them loose to be able to be a part of what you're trying to do in, in your church? And so we would boil it back down and we would say the number one thing a leader has to have is followers. Without followers, they're not a leader. There's the, the whole adage, you know. You know, he who think he leadeth but hath not followers is only taking a walk. And so the whole part about leadership is if you if you don't have followers, a good leader or a bad leader, if you don't have followers, you don't have any leadership gifting inside of you. And so the the fundamental thing you got to look at is when you're looking at re- recruiting leaders is saying, who's got the followers? And in our terms, the modern term for that is followers is friends. So we're always looking at, okay, who who are the people that have influence and have a couple of friends that can lead a group? So, you know, to answer your question in a long way, I would say, you know, they got to have two friends. Without two friends, you can't even start being uh, the leader that God wants you to be. 
So after you got the two friends, you got to start thinking through, okay, what are all those barriers that you need to remove for, for them to be successful in that? So what's it look like to remove these barriers tangibly? Um, great question. Uh, with that, there are there's titling. Uh, you know, we went from uh, just calling them, we used to call them lay pastors for leaders, which nobody wanted to do that, to uh, in, a, in a weak moment, we called them shepherd leaders. And in Orange County, nobody knew what a shepherd was, uh, to small group leader, but nobody wanted to be a leader. And then we, um, back in 02, we started with uh, host, which we've kind of stayed with that terminology. You know, do you have a heart for people? Can you open up a place? Uh, can you serve a snack and can you turn on the video? And right now we're doing that all digitally through our streaming service. But, you know, so you, you go through hosts, but really we've even taken it down one more notch and we just say, hey, if you have two friends, you can be a leader. And so, uh, or no, you, if you have two friends, you can you can start a group. Right. And so immediately we've mo- removed the barrier of language. Now with that, then you need all the supporting things that, that help them, you know, drop the fear factor a little by saying, hey, we have video curriculum for you. So that's why we put on turn on the video. So you don't have to worry about that. They're your friends. So we, right. we work with those pieces. And then we have the starter kit. Yeah. And we have a starter kit that, that will help them through, you know, all, all the, you know, the, all the steps that they, they, they need to do. But the bottom line is you got to start with understanding you got to mobilize the people that have friends. Literally, Rick will stand up and say, how many, I campaign to, how many of you have two friends? And everybody in the room will raise their hand. And he says, then you can do this. As long as you got two friends, you can make this happen. So guys, think through your language. That may be some of the barriers. Think through all the, the supporting pieces that, that you need. And, uh, and, uh, you know, in, in so many different, you know, gosh, I feel so terrible, but saying this, but in planning small groups for purpose, we walk through 20 questions, which are, you know, uh, you know, supporting cast things that you've got to have right. in your small group ministry to mobilize these people that are just sitting. So this two friends strategy, Steve, obviously there's so many different strategies out there. What makes this two friends strategy that you're telling us about bulletproof or uh, that you would recommend this above all the other strategies you've heard about over the years. Well, I mean, I think what makes it the, the most bulletproof is that you're, you're again, we, we believe so much as the Bible is a family system. And I think through raising my kids, I never gave them everything on the front end, but I but I tried to dribble it out throughout their whole life as they're growing up and, and, to, and, to, and to lean into them and to help them out with different things. And so part of that, what makes it bulletproof is it's their friends. So it's it's their organic grouping of influence that that they're trying to impact. And so when you have a relevant curriculum that speaks to their needs, um, and so, you know, right now we're doing um, Time to Dream. And so we, we have a resource that says, hey, we're going to help you unpack all the, you know, how God can use you to to get you to dream again and how you can take those next steps and, you know, how you can unleash the potential that is in you of who God, who God made you to be. So you, you're you're going through relevant topics that they're they're trying to wrestle with. And but it's the organic piece that it's their friends that that will just just help them out. And when you start to look at the advantages that are a part of that uh, that aspect that makes it bulletproof is that when you have when you start groups with their friends, then 
you've already set, you've already taken out the mystery of going to somebody's home you don't know because they're your friends. They, right. They've been to your home. You've taken out the fear factor of cleaning because they've been to your house when it's clean. They've been to your house when it's dirty. Uh, they, you're, they're comfortable with you. You're comfortable with them. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to put, put all, you know, the shiny things on there um, with them. But here's the greatest piece about this that, that helps with, you know, making this bulletproof is that when you start things organically with two friends and you have this, you have the video curriculum ready for them to go that that is relevant is there is a deeper starting point because they've had relationship yeah. already. And the key to discipleship happening is there has got to be a safety net. There's got to be a safe group of people that can help you ask the hard questions to take you a little bit deeper. And my family's literally living this out, Steve, in that I've been at Saddleback almost two years. Obviously, one of the first things my wife, Julie, and I wanted to do when we came here was join a small group, right? Mm-hmm. And we uh, were trying to, you know, maybe get to a group with a previous, another staff member. And it just wasn't quite working out. And my wife met uh, an amazing friend at one of the Saddleback Women uh, small group ministry events. And through that friendship, I connected with her husband and we became friends. And so long story short, we finally just it dawned on us, let's just start a small group with our two friends. And so literally last night, we were at their house enjoying session one of the Time to Dream campaign. And it was amazing sitting with our friends, fellowshipping, eating food, turning on the DVD, and just sharing life together. Because like you said, we already had that relationship and we're able to go so much deeper. And, and the great part about this too is when you start things with two friends and they're taking your video curriculum to to do this, you know, what, what the church is, is, you know, embarking on. The great thing is, is that if you take it to the worst common denominator, let's say they're, they're not a follower of Christ, there's two things we, we don't believe about them. We don't believe they're a sleeper cell trying to destroy your church. And we we don't believe that they're they're going to destroy the moral integrity of their small group uh, because they're not a follower of Christ. Because generally, those people who are inviting their friends, their friends aren't followers of Christ. And so you have the the beauty of putting the video curriculum in, in front of them to be the master teacher. And I always have pastors just just like saying, ah, I'm still not buying into this. And I always say, Hey, would it be okay if two or three friends? went to your Sunday morning service, sat in the back, listened to your message, and went out to lunch afterwards and talked about it. And they would say 100 out of 100 times. Oh, that'd be great. What we're describing for you in this two-friend strategy of unleashing people is that it's the same thing. Because, you know, the video curriculum or whether they hear it live, there's no difference. And what we're doing is just providing an atmosphere that has the infrastructure around it to come alongside. Now, just let me be clear also is that, you know, we don't have, you know, these groups aren't live on the web, so not anybody can join them. Um, you know, they don't they don't come up on our, our search engine until um, until they've, uh, you know, accepted Christ and they're a member of the church. But, but they're almost an underground group that is influencing their friends. Now, they don't know that. They think they're a small group at Saddleback. And so, but we get to build relationship with them and let Jesus shine with them. Okay, Steve, I have one more big important question for you on this two-friend strategy. Okay. What if someone does not have 
two friends. Well, I mean, they're they're a loser. <laughs> I'm not just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it happens. You know, people move new new in the area or they're just scared to do that. They may be more introverted and stuff like that. But even introverts, I would say, have, you know, uh, you know, actually their friends are probably deeper than the extroverts out there uh, like myself. But, you know, so part of it is you do have to figure out that strategy for people who are new. And there's a couple key things you got to say to them. One is um, we have uh, what we call um, – centralized groups on the campus that are large groups, small groups. So it's basically we have round tables in a room that, you know, people can come to and they form small groups at their tables. And so it's just like a catch-all. We do a men's, we do a women's, we do a, a you know, a couples and singles uh, one so that, you know, there is that safety net where they can go there. But one of the things we're, we're telling them is saying, okay, you may not have two friends now, but over the next year, be praying about who God brings you that may not be, uh, who may be new friends for you over this next year so that when we do a campaign and Rick says, grab two friends and start this thing, boom, you're off to the races uh, with that. And the, so, you know, that's for the people who may not have two friends. But let me just flip that over to you on a different angle. Where this has helped us out to is the people who think they're a leader and they come up and say, hey, I want to start a small group. And so, you know, in the old days, I would say, oh, great, you want to be a group leader. We'll train you and we'll do all that. Right. And we'll, we'll, they'll fill out the forms and all that. And what happens is, is then they come to you and they say, send me leaders. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found myself being, I had the biggest eHarmony business because I was matchmaking <laughs> people all the time. And it was just, it was consuming budgetary th- you know, monies, it was personnel monies. It's just, it was consuming a lot of resources, but now you fill your own group. So when someone says, you know, Hey, I want to start a group. I want to be a group leader. I just go, great, grab two friends and here's our starter kit and and you're off to the races. And if they say, I don't have two friends. So it's a flip side to your whole thing. I don't have two friends. They say, Oh, you don't want to lead a group. We need to plug you into a group right. and be praying about your friends that are there. So it works for your benefit too. And before I look like the hard guy that said, you know, hey, you're a loser and stuff like <laughs> well, that. I love what you shared about the the old days of the eHarmony business, like you're matchmaking all these people. Because the, the next question then comes is, hey, why didn't anybody join my group? Yeah. And so now uh, I'm the problem. So we, we create these governmental systems, and that's why we always lean in going towards a family system. Now, there's a lot of uh, pieces that go with this, and I, I would just encourage you in uh, in planning small groups with purpose. We put a lot of things in place in a written form that help you build the structure around this, this strategy. Uh, and the pro to this strategy is, you know, your friends – we always say stay together as long as you like, but then you got to answer the evangelism question, uh, which is something important. Maybe maybe in the next show we can cover evangelism in groups Ooh. and how that works. There you go. We just tee that up. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to Steve Gladen on Small Groups. If you like what you've heard, make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you want to learn more, make sure you check out smallgroupnetwork.com for more resources.